Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, June 29th, 2020, and today we are continuing our study on the book of Ezekiel. And we will be looking specifically at Ezekiel chapter 16. Well, today we are looking at Ezekiel chapter 16 and our living hope. You see, we have one living hope, and that is the hope of Christ Jesus. We can hope for peace, unity, and healing during the things we've seen already in 2020. But those are conditional things. And our hope is not in these conditions, but our hope is in the gospel of Christ Jesus. So before we look at Ezekiel chapter 16, the Apostle Paul summarized to the church in Ephesus the hope of the gospel. This portion of the letter was written by Paul. It mirrors much of what we will see in Ezekiel chapter 16. Paul starts in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We see in verses 11 and verse 12 that Paul reminds the church at Ephesus to remember. Remember the gospel. To understand the great hope that we have, we must remember from which we came. It's a spiritual exercise to remember our salvation, to remember our sinfulness, to remember our brokenness, and then to remember and to delight in the goodness, mercy, and grace of our sweet Lord Jesus. Our hope is built on our beginnings and built not on our success, but on our failure. We, we don't have hope if we don't have failure. If life has been a success, if, if everything is perfect, then what good is hope? No, we hope and our hope is built because we have failed and we have fallen short of the glory of God. When we see who we really are before Christ, it gives us hope because the God who redeemed us will keep us. And so, beloved, our hope isn't in the applause of men, the success of our ministry, the success of our work or business. It's not in the recognition we may get. 
It's not in the money or the lack thereof in our bank account. It's not, that's not what defines us or makes us great. Our hope is not found in our Rolodex or who we know. No, our living hope can only be found and rooted in the gospel and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we can truly see this hope, we must first remember. So Paul has taken the, 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 the church at Ephesus through this act of remembering. And Ezekiel will help us to remember And so I want us to see, as we look at Ezekiel chapter 16, four reasons we must remember the hope of the gospel. And the first reason that we must remember the hope of the gospel is this. It reminds us that we are helpless and hopeless apart from the mercy of God. You see, this is what Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 1 through 5 says. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth on the day that you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on an open field. For you were abhorred on the day that you were born. Verse 5 of Ezekiel chapter 16. No, I pitied you. You were cast out. You were abhorred. See, apart from the mercy of God, Ezekiel tells us that we were cast out, abhorred. We were not pitied or deserving of grace. And you see this picture of hopelessness and helplessness. I remember for each of our three children being in the delivery room. And I remember that we were, we were a little scared, Ashley and I, because we were, we were wondering if I would pass out. And then all of the attention of the medical professionals would be put onto me as opposed to her. I don't like the sight of blood. Even, even just saying that word makes my entire being cringe. But in that moment, when our children were born, I I cut the cord. I I watched the the doctors and the nurses care for our children. I watched them take their baths. I watched from the business end as our babies were born into this world. But imagine, when a baby is born, they are helpless. They are hopeless. They need someone to care for them. They need someone to cut their cord. And this is what Ezekiel chapter 16, 1-5 says, is that we were helpless and hopeless like a baby, except instead of having someone to catch us, we were found in an open field. Our sin made it where we were cast out. Our sin made it where we were abhorred. Beloved, I want to ask as we look at Ezekiel chapter 16, as we remember our sin, have you ever felt like your ability to sin was greater than God's ability to save? Have you ever felt like you've sinned much more than God's daily mercies can atone? Have you ever felt like your sin is going to cause God to finally throw in the towel and say, I'm done with you, I quit? Have you ever felt like God abandoned you in your sin and left you alone to experience the full consequences? You see, part of the gospel being so glorious is us remembering our sin and hopelessness so that we don't cheapen the miraculous mercy and grace of God. John 3.16 is a beautiful verse, and most of us who've grown up in church can, can quote it in a moment by memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But so much more that verse comes alive when we realize our utter depravity. 
Not that this is easy believism, but that we were lost. We were hopeless. We were helpless. And Christ came. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 2.20, Remember that you were separated from Christ and having no hope and without God in the world. When Paul says that to us in Ephesians 2.12, he says he's not saying, remember that you were without God. Right? He, he didn't just mean remember that you were without God. He means remember that you once lacked, you know, you, you, you were once not, God was once not your God, and that you would, would be utterly hopeless apart from the gospel. This is not just lacking some knowledge about God, but this was remembering that God was not your God and that he would not be apart from the gospel. I love what Pastor John Piper says. He says, and if he was not our God, then he was not for us, but against us. He was not our justifier, but our condemner. Not eternal life, but eternal damnation lay before us. And it's just this Paul wants us to remember. Remember that apart from Christ, Almighty God would be against us. Apart from Christ, we would be storing up wrath for ourselves on the day of the righteous judgment of God. Apart from the free and unmerited mercy of Christ, we would go away into eternal punishment. Paul says we would utterly have no hope. So the gospel reminds us that we are helpless and hopeless apart from the mercy of God. And this leads us to the second reason we must remember the hope of the gospel. It keeps us and guards us from boasting in our own victories and righteousness. Look at the picture of us before God rescued us. Ezekiel chapter 16, starting in verse 6 through verse 14. And when I passed by you, remember we were, this is us abhorred, laid in an open field in our blood. Verse 6, and when I passed by you, this being the Lord, and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed, and your hair had and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you are the age of love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrist and chains on your neck. And I put a ring in your nose and earrings in your ears and beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver and clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I, the Lord, had bestowed upon you, declares the Lord God. You see, this is our picture when God has rescued us from being abhorred, from being set apart. God's love for his people is not only extravagant and undeserved, but also transforming. All it took to turn the field from a place of death to a place of life was God's word. Ezekiel 16, 6, when he passed by and saw you wallowing in your blood, he said, God's word, he said, he spoke when God spoke, live, the field turned from a place of death to a place of life by God's word. And the source and motivation of divine love lies entirely, entirely in God himself. God did not choose Israel or us because of who we would be, but because of who he would make us to be. The potential was his, not ours. 
When we come to know this gospel truth, it guards us from boasting in ourselves. We were adorned not because we were seen as special in our own being, but because God in his mercy loved us. When we were abandoned, God washed and anointed us, verse 9. When we were naked, God clothes us with the finest clothes for royalty. Right? No offense towards these places, but, but God didn't go to Ross dressed for less and still look fashionable. He didn't go by the clearance rack at TJ Maxx. No, he went and he got the clothing for the finest royalty. He clothed us as royalty. Verse 11 and 13, he adorns us with jewelry. And this isn't just a couple of earrings. This is a crown. And then the, the text says, and, and, and rings for the nose. This, this beset royalty. God was bestowing his best. And then we were hungry, and he feeds us with the finest foods. This is not taking us to a food pantry. He, he gave us the, the finest foods. Beloved, we don't deserve grace, but God gives it, and gives it over and over and over. And he restores us, and he transforms us completely. Not by our works, but by his grace and his gospel. But then unfortunately, look at what happens in Ezekiel chapter 16, starting in verse 15 through 22. Basically, as men, we take precious, gracious gifts of God, and we turn them into pride for ourselves. Look at verse 15. But you trusted in your beauty, and you played the whore because of your renown, and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shrines, and on them played the whore. The like has never been, nor shall ever be seen. You also took your beautiful jewels of my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and you made yourself images of men, and with them you played the whore. And you took your embroidered garments to cover them and set my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread that I gave you, I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey, and you set them before them for a pleasing aroma. So it was, declares the Lord God. And you took your sons and your daughters, whom you had borne to me, and though these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? And in all your abominations and your whorings, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare and wallowing in your blood. Oh, beloved, we as men take the precious, gracious gifts of God and we turn them into pride for ourselves. Ingratitude towards God and pride in self inevitably lead to spiritual harlotry. Had the people in Ezekiel remembered that they were naked and forgotten? Had the people remembered that they were poor and wretched? Had the people acknowledged that everything they had received had been entrusted to them by Christ? They would not have trusted their beauty and boasted in their newness and played the harlot if they had remembered what God had done for them. But they forgot. Instead of staying humble and lowly, they became self-righteous and prideful. They sold out to the things of this world and to the God of this world. We always want people to see us in our best. We always want to act like we have it all together. But the gospel tells us that we were naked, wretched, bloody, and left for dead. The best way not to end up like Jerusalem is for us to never forget where God brought us from and all that his love made us to be. How many times are we like Israel and look for love and security in all the wrong places? 
Why don't we really believe that in his present is, is abundant joy and his right hand are eternal pleasures forevermore? But remembering our plight apart from Christ is a precious preventative to us boasting in our own victories and self-produced righteousness. So, we remember the gospel. Why? Because it keeps us and guards us from boasting in our own victories and righteousness. But third, it helps us to cherish that we are forgiven so that we, in turn, forgive others. Ezekiel 16, picking up in verse 23 through 43. And after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord. You built yourself a vaulted chamber and made yourself a lofty place in every square. At the head of every street, you built your lofty place and made your beauty an abomination, offering yourself to any passerby and multiplying your whoring. You also played the whore with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, multiplying your whorings to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I stretch out my hand against you and diminish your allotted portions and deliver you to the greed of your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines, who are ashamed of your lewd behavior. You played the whore also with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them and still you were not satisfied. You multiplied your whorings also with the trading land of Chaldea and even with this you were not satisfied. How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street and making your lofty place in every square. Yet you were not like a prostitute because you scorned payment, adulterous wife who received strangers instead of her husband. Men give gift to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bringing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you were different from the other women in your whorings. No one solicited you to play the whore and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore, you were different. Therefore, O prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because your lust was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your whorings with your lovers and with all your abominable idols and because of the blood of your children that you gave to them. Therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, all those you loved and all those you hated. I will gather them against you from every side and will uncover your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness. And I will judge you as women who commit adultery and shed blood are judged and bring upon you the blood of wrath and jealousy. And I will give you into their hands and they shall throw down your vaulted chambers and break down your lofty places. They shall strip you of your clothes and take your beautiful jewels and leave you naked and bare. They shall bring up a crowd against you and they shall stone you and cut you into pieces with their swords and they shall burn your houses and execute judgments upon you in the sight of many women. I will make you stop playing the whore and you shall also give payment no more. So will I satisfy my wrath on you, and my jealousy shall depart from you. I will be calm and will be angry no more, because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me. With all these things, therefore, behold, I have returned your deeds upon your head, declares the Lord God. Have you not committed lewdness in addition to all your abominations? Oh, how dangerous it is for man to fall in the hands of an angry God. God's wrath is real, and we deserve that wrath. Our sin is great. Not because of what we have done, but because of whom we have done it upon. We deserve to be handed over to our accusers. We deserve to be abandoned. We deserve to be lost. The wages of sin is death. Sin is rebellion, and rebellion deserves condemnation. Verse 56 of Ezekiel chapter 16. Was not your sister Sodom a byword in your mouth? In the day of your pride, before your wickedness was uncovered. Now you have become an object of reproach for the daughters of Syria and all those around her, and for the daughters of the Philistines, those all around who despise you. You bear the penalty of your lewdness and your abominations. 
declares the Lord. You see, we have sinned against a holy God. But when we go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and we look at the first 10 verses where we skipped off before we picked up in 11 at the beginning of our time together, beloved, this is God's grace. That though we had been rebellious, although we had done great sins and depravity against God, This is what Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, the biggest but in the Bible. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, the depth of our forgiveness. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. If we are aware of the gravity of our sin, if we remember how terrible our plight would be without him, we will be moved to worship, praise, and grateful service. When we remember the seriousness of our pride, we cherish Jesus most deeply. Words of our affection to Christ would not hang in our throats like a foreign language, and we would not sing with blank faces. If people understood the true weight of sin, the depth of our impurity, and the spellbounding nature of God's grace, businessmen would speak endearingly of him. Teenagers would not blush to praise his name, and we would not pray with rote mechanics, but with awe and splendor. You see, if you feel you are forgiven little, then you will love little. But when you realize that you have been forgiven much, you will love much and you will forgive others much. Remembering the hope of the gospel helps us cherish our forgiveness more deeply. We cannot have white-hot devotion for Christ and his commands if we do not remember and feel what our situation would be without him. And this also leads us to the fourth and final reason we must remember the hope of the gospel. It gives confidence to live as bold witnesses, bold emissaries for Christ. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 59 through 63, the end of the chapter. For thus says the Lord God, I will deal with you as you have done. You have despised the oath in breaking the covenant. Yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you take your sisters, both your elder and your younger. And I give them to you as daughters, but not on account of the covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded. And never open your mouth again because of your shame, when I atone for you for all that you have done, declares the Lord. Oh, we will never again open our mouth because of our shame. 
Oh, but we will open our mouth out of glory to the God who gave us his glorious gospel. Isaiah chapter 61 reminds us that God turns the beauty into ashes. He returns, he turns beauty into ashes, from ashes. He repairs the breach. And because of this, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us and gives us a bold new mission. God has called us to remember the gospel ultimately so that he can send us out on the gospel-driven mission that he has given us. Let us know with confidence that we have a living hope in the gospel and that this living hope is the true hope. Rather than abandoning us, God chose to atone us and use us for his worldwide mission. So we go and we preach the gospel. And at Lifeline, we care for children in foster care, not because we are altruistic or looking for a Facebook post, but because we have been redeemed. We help families adopt former orphans from around the world because our hope is not found in our security or comfort, but our hope is found in pointing others to the sweet, irresistible grace of Jesus. We care for pregnant women, birth families through families count, and hurting families because we know that so were we before Christ came and forgave us and removed our shame. And we go to all nations to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to orphans and vulnerable children because we have a God who understands their struggle and helps us understand that spiritually our reality was the same as the physical reality of the orphan, the vulnerable child, the poor, the needy, the outcast, and the vulnerable. Oh, and it reminds us that the love of our Lord endures forever. Four reasons we must remember the hope of the gospel. It reminds us that we are hopeless and helpless apart from the mercy of God. It keeps us and guard us, guards us from boasting in our own victories and righteousness. It helps us cherish that we were forgiven and in turn can forgive others. And it gives us confidence to live as bold emissaries for Christ. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of India. We are praying for the church and the government. We're specifically praying for wisdom for Prime Minister Modi as he is making decisions on the country's lockdown due to COVID-19. We're praying for India's central authority over adoptions, CARA. They would continue to make decisions in the best interest of children and that many, and children, many children in India would continue to be placed in loving, gospel-centered families. Pray that the Lord would continue to ignite the hearts of believers in India to care for orphans and widows. Pray specifically for our India representative, Alex Sam, and his family as they seek to encourage local believers to care for the fatherless through family-based care. We pray for the church in India to be bold and steadfast. We pray that the Lord would raise up national pastors and that the church would grow even in the midst of persecution. We pray for adoption and for the salvation of those involved in the adoption process. We pray for continued blessing over Lifeline's relationship with CARA staff and for continued open doors for children to be placed with gospel-centered forever families. In the midst of challenges and oppositions, we pray for the gospel to continue to move forward in India through intercountry adoption. We pray for God to continue to provide the right gospel-centered families for these children who are in need of families. And we pray for our team, our team in the U.S. as they serve families and continue to grow the India program. We pray for our representative Alex Sam as he coordinates families travel to India while also engaging in orphan care ministry where he lives. We pray for our team to continue to have wisdom as we engage with the CARA staff and pray that God would continue to grant us favor in these relationships. We pray for the orphans and the unreached. India is the country with the largest number of orphans in the world. We pray that these children would be reached with the hope of the gospel and that they would be used as active agents of redemption in this nation. Only 2.2% of India's population profess Christianity, and almost 95% is unreached. 
Pray for the gospel to go forth in these areas where it has not yet been proclaimed. Pray for people's hearts to be softened in the gospel and that India would become a nation full of people who fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. Pray for God to give life on wisdom as we discern how God is leading us to strategically be involved in the work that he is doing throughout India. We pray specifically for Steps Home in Chennai. And recently, as many of you may know, we lost our dear brother Isaac Monogram to his battle of COVID-19. Pray for his wife, Tara, as well as his children, Satara and Tarun, as they continue to run Steps Home. Pray for Krupa in Bangalore and the ministries that he is involved with in caring for the poor. We praise the Lord that we are nearing our 60th child coming home from India with almost 60 more children currently matched with families. Let's pray. Father God, we certainly pray for India, for Prime Minister Modi. We pray that you give him wisdom and understanding beyond his capacity for making determinations during the country's lockdown due to COVID-19. We pray for Kara that they would make the wisest decisions for those children that are underneath their care. We pray for more gospel-centered families to come forward to adopt these children. We pray that the church in India would be polled and steadfast. We pray for pastors and nationals would continue to grow, even in the midst of persecution, to make known the mystery of the gospel. We pray that you would continue to ignite the hearts of believers to care for orphans and widows. Lord, we pray for our team here in the U.S. and abroad, that you give them wisdom and, and understanding. Father, for Alex and for Krupa and for Tara Monogram, we just ask that you would wrap around them with your grace and your love. Especially be with the Monograms now as they grieve the loss of our dear brother Isaac. And Lord, I pray for the 19 girls at Steps Home, that they would have peace and know that you are their father. Father, we know that there are so many unreached people throughout the country of India, a country that has the largest number of orphans in the world. These children are unreached with the hope of the gospel as well. Lord, would you prepare men and women in India and outside of India to go into these unreached people groups to make known the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. Give us wisdom as we discern how you lead us to strategically be involved in the work that you were doing throughout India. And Lord, we praise you that we've had 60 kids come home from India and for the 60 more that are matched. God, would you open up these borders would you heal our land of COVID-19 so that these children could come home to their forever families? Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in your glorious name, the matchless name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.